us again, Dr. Rob Balco. And Dr. Stephanie Lipnicki. And we're here to talk about uh, acupuncture, microneedle anesthetics. Uh, before we do, I want to repeat our mission statement, which is uh, our goal is to bring awareness about the many different ways to maintain health and heal your body, your mind, and your spirit from acupuncture to Zen living and everything in between. So far, we've shared a little about who we are, how much education we need to do, what we do. And in our second podcast, we talked about how to stay healthy in the fall. Today, we're going to talk about the ways that acupuncture and adjunct modalities can help improve appearance. Feel free to chime in with questions, and we may get to them as we go along, or we'll definitely answer answer them by the time we're done. Stephanie, how did you get into cosmetic acupuncture? So before I went to acupuncture school, there's the chain of events of Mm -hmm. massage school, and then I finished at Rutgers, and people who I was massaging would tell me that I gave this great face massage and suggested going to school for aesthetics. And I think I had maybe looked at it uh, quite some time before that, and you had to do the full cosmetology program. And around that time, which was roughly... I guess 2001, they had separated it out and made a separate program. So I made the decision that I would, you know, jump into it and go for it and go to school for aesthetics and add that to the repertoire. That's great. So then once I was in acupuncture school, naturally, of course, I was interested in, well, there has to be a way that acupuncture can add to that. And I started reading up on cosmetic acupuncture and how it could improve the appearance without using potentially harmful injections, things that didn't break down. You would see people injecting silicone in, and silicone doesn't break down. Mm -hmm. It just stays under the skin. And, um, you know, some of the people in school would comment, like, why do you want to do that? It's so vain. And I felt like if you look at the history through time, there's always been this move to try and, you know, stay younger and find ways to stay youthful. Mm-hmm. So I feel like in our, in the current culture, vanity is definitely at the forefront and we're held to a high standard of appearance. Um, when I was looking at statistics to share in 2018, uh, American Americans, just Americans spent more than 16.5 billion on cosmetic surgery. billion. And in terms of wrinkle treatment injections, which is like your Botox, Dysport, Restylane, 7.4 million procedures were done. (laughs) So it's definitely something that, you know, people are interested in looking youthful and Mm -hmm. it's not for everyone. There may be reasons that someone can't do that or they don't want to inject harmful substances. So back, you know, when I had skincare clients asking me about it before I even became an intern at PCOM and I did my homework and before I, I think right before I started as an intern, um, I came across Dr. Martha Lucas's work. She does Maison Cosmetic Acupuncture and she's based in Colorado and she was teaching at um, the school up in Montclair. So I registered and took that class. Um, It was a Maison Cosmetic Acupuncture for the face, neck, and abdomen. And I want to say that was around, let me think, 2007, because I think my daughter was around two at the time. And um, I completed the Maison course, and then I continued my training to become a preferred provider, and I eventually started teaching with Dr. Lucas, assisting her 
in various places that she would teach first locally like when she would come to the east coast and then i would travel with her to teach and that was kind of i fell in love with it then how does it work so it's um obviously i'm putting needles in the face um they're not the same as the body needles that we showed on the first visit they're a smaller needle i actually brought some of them here with me so this is um 10 needles that <laughs> will go into the face um and they only go in about um 0.5 millimeters into the wow. you know they're not going in very deep so um you're needling into the face but you're also getting a body treatment every time so it's not just about what's going on in the face it's about making sure that the entire person themselves is feeling better um and you know depending on what's going on some people may need a few body treatments before they start so somebody comes in and i do an initial evaluation and maybe something throws up a red flag that i'm like let's work on fixing this before we jump right into the face and make sure that let's say if their digestion is off or whatever else is going on let's say they have headaches i don't want to start putting a hundred needles in their face if they're someone who has headaches right. and and it causes that rising upward sort of sensation um so it's about also maintaining their health and wellness of the body as well not just not just their face mm -hmm. um so i assess them we may do a series for their face and or their neck and then maybe they need microneedling as well and they might need a series of peels. It all just depends on when they come in and what they tell me that they're looking to achieve. Um, Maison is generally done as a series of 10 treatments over five weeks for the face and then 10 treatments over five weeks for the neck. Microneedling is a series of four treatments, like once a month. Um, glycolic peels, you can do one every four weeks, and then there are certain times of the year that I just don't recommend doing peels and are they getting a body treatment during those every single treatment they're getting a body treatment so like the 10 treatments over five weeks they're twice a week each of those includes a body treatment so that they're balanced and feeling good each and every single time and what are some examples of, of what the body treatment is doing for that person so let's say they're going through menopause and there's a lot more heat. So maybe the points that are in there are balancing that out to sort of quell some of the hot flashes and mm -hmm. things like that. Mm -hmm. If they have trouble with their digestion, points might be put in to balance for that. If, um, let's say, a particular area of their face is more of a concern, like um, they're a former smoker, they're going to tend to have small fine lines around the mouth. You might do points that open up the central line of the body so that the energy flows more to that okay. area. Mm -hmm. So you don't do the face and the neck at the same time? No, okay. I do them separately. Mm -hmm. But each time the patient is coming in and getting the treatment, they're getting an assessment. I'm taking their pulse. I'm seeing if anything else has changed or come up. Um, I prep their face, I put the body needles in, and then once, you know, once I know that they're balanced, I put those face needles in, and then the same just like a regular acupuncture treatment, they are laying there relaxing for part of the time. So that's kind of, you know, it's, they get that same acupuncture nap that they get with a regular treatment. So it's not just that, you know, although microneedling, I'm in the room the whole time with the mm -hmm. cosmetic, the maison, I leave the room while the after the needles are put in. And then I come in and I pull them 
Um, and then I do, um, you know, I re I tone the face. I do a little bit of face massage and just kind of, it just feels nice after mm -hmm. you've put all those needles in. Sure. <laughs> Are there cases where they need more than 10 treatments? Yes. So let's say... Uh, someone comes to see me and their age is, is a component of it. They're, um, I, I usually like to say that the ideal age to start is in your 30s because then you're doing this more preventatively. You haven't, you know, had the same exposure to the sun. And so if someone is a little older, they may need, you know, the initial 10 treatments and then they may need another 10 or they may need another five. We reassess at the end of the 10 to see what their results are. And okay. I'm taking pictures so they can, they can see before and after. Cause sometimes practitioners will say that they've had someone say, well, I don't see any difference. Well, if you're doing mm. a series of photos before they start and then you show them to them at the halfway point and then at the end, you can say like, look and see how this is different. Look and see how that's different. Um, if someone was a smoker, they're more like, and, and not just like, oh, I smoked for a little while when I was 17, 18, somebody who's like, yeah, I, I smoked a pack of cigarettes a day for 20 years. They're definitely going to need more work. They're going to have all those small lines around. And if they're still smoking, I don't even want to take them on because mm -hmm. I feel like mm -hmm. you're undoing everything that I've done. You're going to come in here and spend the money to do this thing that's supposed to help make you feel better. And then you're you know, inhaling toxins. So the first thing I want to work on for them is if that, you know, get them to quit smoking. And if they don't quit smoking, I don't want to take it on because they're just not going to get the same results as somebody who's not a smoker or somebody who quit smoking. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, if somebody was a sun worshiper, like I grew up here in New Jersey, we used to go to the beach and put baby oil on our skin and then, you know, get like a crispy critter. And <laughs> I'm sure I've done so much damage mm -hmm. to my skin from mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. Um, if someone has never taken care of their skin and they tell me that they've been using bar soap and this is the first time they've ever done anything, I want to get them on a skincare routine and, and they could have not been taking care of their skin and it could be okay, but I still need to assess and see what's going on. So like they may say something on the phone, but I, you know, I want to see, um, Genetics play a part in it. Some people just handle stress better than other people. Some people age more gracefully than other people. Mm -hmm. That That's beyond my control. Like, I'm right. not the one doling those things out. <laughs> um, if, if they have a history of acne and they have acne scarring, that might take a little more in more treatment to resolve some of that. But you do see it different with the acne scarring. It does, it does kind of... Um, reduce the appearance of the scarring. Right. So can, can we talk about the microneedling and the peels and the facials? Like what do they, what do they do and how are they different from each other? Okay. So the, the cosmetic acupuncture is going to tighten and firm the skin. Um, it will soften fine lines and wrinkles. Some people need the extra step of the microneedling, which will soften them even more because it's going in you know below the epidermis into the okay. dermis so right. it's um you're getting hit like rapidly with tiny little needles and it allows serums to go deeper into the skin after the treatment glycolic peels are really just taking care of the surface part of things so um let's say somebody has never exfoliated their skin i'll do a glycolic peel and it will peel and look like spider webs and their skin coming off and it will make the skin look softer and it'll appear more dewy 
when they do that, their moisture their moisturizer penetrates deeper. They're not just moisturizing like dry, dead skin. Um, it hydrates the skin more. The edges of wrinkles tend to be a little bit sharp looking. So when you're doing cosmetic acupuncture or microneedling, it's it's going to give that edge a less sharp look. So the skin will look softer. So you, you still look like you, just a youth, more youthful version of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I t- uh, remember uh, some patients of mine were talking about facial acupuncture. It didn't sound like they were getting the kind of treatment you were doing. Okay. But the response they were getting from their friends were that you look like you were on a, a two-week vacation in Tahiti. Yeah. You, know, you came back all blissed out and relaxed. and. Happy. Yes. I had yeah. a patient who did it before one of her high school reunions. And um, they were like, oh, my gosh, what are you doing? You look amazing. And, you know, she's telling me this afterwards. And she said, well, I wasn't going to tell him. And I'm like, are you kidding? You weren't going to tell him? I'm like, you couldn't give me any credit so that, like, I could. I'm like, you should have been doling out my card and been like, here, you have to go see Stephanie. You have to go see her. But no, but she did say that. So some of the things that people will say when people are going through it, like, people will go, well, I'm I'm not noticing a difference. But people around them will say, like, did you change your hair? Something Mm -hmm. looks different. Yeah, there's a little something that looks different, but they can't quite put their finger on it because who's going to think that you're doing cosmetic acupuncture or microneedling? So what are some of the things that the processes you do do not do for the skin? So it's not going to give you a facelift. Um, You are not going to reshape your face in any way. Like if someone comes in and says... I don't like the contour of my nose. I don't like the shape of my nose. I can't Mm -hmm. fix that with needles. Mm -hmm. That's, you're talking about surgical procedures Mm -hmm. for that. Um, Where Botox paralyzes the the muscles, it's not gonna paralyze your face. And and some of the studies are showing that the long-term effect of repeatedly paralyzing the muscle, like when you think of how do you build muscle, you build muscle by exercising a muscle. So if it's paralyzed for a period of time, you're not strengthening that muscle. So it leads to that dependence on it. Um, And then, you know, it could, in the long term, you're losing more of the strength and integrity of the skin, whereas the cosmetic acupuncture, because it's bringing energy and blood to the face, you're strengthening the integrity of the skin. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, you're not going to look like your favorite movie star when you're done. Like, if, believe me, I would love to look like Selma Hayek, but <laughs> clearly, I've done cosmetic acupuncture on myself a lot of times. I still don't look like her. Um, and it's you know, when I think of when I was a kid, I, one of my favorite movies was I think it was. Um, the Muppets Take Manhattan, and Joan Rivers was in it. There's a scene where Joan Rivers is in it with Miss Piggy, and I feel like the Joan Rivers, right before she died, she didn't even look like the Joan Rivers right. of like the 80s. And right. I think right. I can remember my mentor saying that she used to talk about just put a screw in the top of my head so that I could just tighten it. And I do there. feel like it just her skin just kept looking like <clears> it was going further and further back. So cosmetic acupuncture is not gonna it's not gonna do that. I have a joke for that, but we'll do that off the air. Oh, no. Is it that bad? It's that bad. Oh, no. Um, I'm going to spring something on you and ask you, tell us about the side effects of the procedures that you're doing. So the... Which I'm sure you explained to your patients. I do. That there are possibly... There are. Some downsides. So one of the things that I always explain to people is that, um, so no one's face is symmetrical. 
So you're still not going to look like things are symmetrical. So one side might have right. a better response than the other mm, side of okay. the face. Um, the only real bad side effect, and I don't even want to say bad, is that you you tend to have bruising. And, it, mm -hmm. and the bruising doesn't actually happen at the beginning. It seems to happen towards the end towards like treatments mm. five to 10 or, you know, six to 10 as you're bringing more blood and chi to the right. face. Right. So like, let's say I have someone who comes in and they're the mother of a bride and they're doing this before the wedding. Right. I'm not finishing like the week of the wedding. They're done like two to three weeks before the wedding because if there is any bruising, I want to make sure yeah, that minimizes. Sure. And someone like, like I'm on a lot of herbs for other things going on in my life that tend to thin blood. Mm. So I just did my neck. And when I tell you it looked like I got mugged, it was my whole neck was black and blue. So that can happen. Mm -hmm. um, but I feel like the side effects are more positive. There are things like your digestion improves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. People might not, you know, they come in and they say their, their face is the chief concern. And they'll say something like, I noticed I sleep better now since I started doing this. You know, because I am balancing the body at every single treatment. Or they'll say, you know, I, my cycles were irregular and they didn't tell me that when we started. And I've noticed that, you know, my menstrual cycle is a little bit better. Mm -hmm. So things like that. And like I said, some people tend to have headaches occasionally. They might not bring that up on the first visit, although I usually try and question them thoroughly enough that I know that headaches are an issue. Mm -hmm. um, so those sorts of things resolve. Um you know, Botox, compared to Botox, you're not going to, the needles are going in very shallow. Um, I have heard stories of people doing Botox and it, the way that it migrates, maybe their eye doesn't blink for six months. Right. Well, if your eye isn't blinking, your eyeball is drying. So like mm -hmm. at night you have to tape your eye shut and there's nothing you can do about it for six months mm -hmm. because the Botox has to wear out. There's okay. no. You don't do Botox though. I don't. Not for myself. I just want to make it clear. No, this is all my own skin. I and that was why I joked when we when I was promoting tonight and <laughs> talked about the fact that the joke in my house is that um I steal babies' butts and I put them on my face and that's why my face is so soft. It's the baby butt face. <laughs> so I sport the baby butt face. Okay. <laughs> See, moving, off. moving on, <laughs> moving on. Um, how long do the results last? So if you start taking care of your skin, like I said, in your 30s, um, and, I, and I like for people in their 20s to be getting facials regularly. It's a self-care thing. It's preventative. It feels good. Um, but if you start doing cosmetic acupuncture, microneedling, it can last two to three years. So like my own face, I usually do the face every two to three years. Well, I'm on, yeah, I'm still on like every three years and the neck every three years. Someone in their fifties, I'm going to say every one to two years, I want them to complete the whole protocol, like all 10 treatments. Mm -hmm. And then in two years, all 10 treatments. And then someone in their sixties, I'm going to suggest that they complete the protocol every year with the possibility of adding monthly maintenance. And I do have some people who prefer that they continue it. They just like the way it feels or every like three months they'll come in and they'll do one on the face, one on the neck. Um, Glycolic peels, like I said, I don't do those in the summer, and that's because of the hyperpigmentation and freckling. I don't right. want that to increase. So usually, like, I'll do those from 
let's say, Labor Day through Memorial Day, every four weeks you can do that. And the microneedling, I would say you do the series of four every year. Or if you are very concerned, you could continue to do it once a month. Um, And again, you know, you can do it in the summer. I just tell people, you know, stay out of the sun for a period of time afterwards. Mm -hmm. If for some reason I get the vibe that they're not going to listen to me, I just won't schedule them. (laughs) Which is, you know, you want people to listen to you, but people are going to blow sunshine up your, you know, and maybe not listen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that was a question I had is what exactly do people have to do at home Really to get the best out of the treatment because it's not just what you're doing. Right. Obviously, it's making a big difference. I mean, they're, they're feeling better internally, right, right? Um, on so many levels. But then the, you're showing them photographed results. Right. But what do they have to do to uh, really make it the, the optimal experience right. for them? So minimally, I want someone to at least cleanse, tone, and moisturize their skin. And by cleanse, I don't mean using bar soap in the shower, a cleanser that's designed to be used on the face, at least in the morning and at night, toning the skin to rebalance the pH and a moisturizer with an SPF. I'd like for them to use a different moisturizer at night, something that's a little bit more hydrating and restorative, but if they're not, they can still use the one with the SPF. And the reason I say SPF, even in the winter, I feel like everyone should have an SPF on all year long. All year long. All year long. Because you're still getting, you could be in the car for 15 minutes and you're still getting the rays from the sun in your car driving back and forth to work. We had this conversation in my house probably like a few weeks ago. And... um, I was trying to explain that you need to have a moisturizer with SPF, not using a body moisturizer on your face because they tend to have a different consistency and maybe be a little bit more greasy. And and um, so we have this joke. We talk about asking the Google. And I was like, you go ahead and ask the Google about what truck drivers look like, like people who are driving big rigs across the country on the left side of their face. And when you Google those pictures, there, there's a loss of elasticity. There's tons of hyperpigmentation. It's like looking at two different people because there's so much going on. If they're getting that routine down pat, I might ask them to add in an exfoliant. I don't exfoliate every day because I feel like it's abrasive. I do want to take some of that extra dead later away so that I am getting the moisturizer deeper in the skin. But I don't want them exfoliating every single day. And when they pick an exfoliant, I don't want it to have like shells in it. Like there's body scrubs that have like walnut shells and stuff. You're scratching. (laughs) That's fine on your legs, but your face is exposed more. Like I have socks on already. It's that time of year. You're not seeing my legs. So if I'm using a salt scrub on my legs, it's not so bad. I wouldn't necessarily do that to the face. You want an exfoliant that's a little bit more gentle. Do you have them change the products through the seasons? Based on light or being outside or inside? Well, if somebody tells me that they're into more sports, I might have them do an SPF that's a little higher than 25. Um, If they're someone who tends to have skin that's a little bit more dry in the winter, I'll ask them to use like a creamy cleanser versus like a gel cleanser that's going to foam a little bit more and be a little bit more drying. I use a creamy cleanser all year long because I tend to be more dry. My skin is dry overall. So I almost never, I think the only time I use the the one that's a little more gel-like is after I've done a peel because that's the one that comes in a post-peel kit. There's a kit that they give you to give to people when they come in for a peel. 
So when they do that, I'll, I'll use that. Um, and like I said, I use the physician, uh, physicians care Alliance, PCA skincare, and they have extensive, um, serums. So let's say somebody's like, I'm concerned about lines and wrinkles. There's a product that is made for lines and wrinkles that I'll have them add in and they can put that on under their moisturizer right before they put their moisturizer on and after they tone their skin. So because I always want to make sure that they're doing these things, like I can, they can come in and I can say, okay, this is what I want you to do. And if they leave, so I, when they're doing a protocol, I just give them the products that I want them to use in the weeks afterwards, because then that gets them on that routine and then they'll carry it over after that. Are these some of the products? Right. So like this is, this is actually the, the more foaming facial wash. Um, this is the nutrient toner. So this is what you put on afterwards. And then I have the SPF 25. This is a, um, the Myzen skin balancing serum. So after I pull the needles out, when I'm doing the skincare stuff, I then massage that into the skin. So I probably only massage for like five minutes, but a five minute massage is people love it. They're like, they think it's so wonderful. Um, and then this is the daily exfoliant that they say daily, but I always tell my patients not to do it daily. I'm like, just, you know, you know, three or four times a week, every other day, but just not every day for that. And then sometimes I use this as a um, jade roller. And sometimes when I, um, at the end, I'll massage after I pull the needles. And then when they've completed all 10 treatments, I just give it to them to take because I don't want to reuse this on somebody else's Mm -hmm. skin. So each, you know, they get this at the end. Um, So, yeah, so they're going home with all those things. And then, like I said, I add some serums in. I also like for them to do massage on themselves so like i'll just show them some gentle massage techniques that they can do and i'm like if you can at least do it a couple of times a week like obviously ideally you you would do it every day sometimes i do those motions the massage motions just when i'm using the cleanser in the shower just because i feel like okay let me massage my Mm -hmm. forehead a little bit and do some circles and it relieves some of the tension um, so I'll teach them some massage techniques that increases the circulation to their face and exactly. it only enhances the results. Sure. Um, some people, and I'm not one of them. Some people use, um, cupping sets when they do cosmetic acupuncture treatments. I don't do cupping on the face just because I started out as an esthetician and most people love that massage that I do. And there's only so much time after you pull needles that you can devote. Yeah. I'm not doing a whole facial on them. I do sometimes do facial gua sha. So we talked about the gua sha that we do on the body, which is the scraping. Mm -hmm. So on the face, it's not that same kind of scraping that like if you were to use the Google again and Google gua sha, you would see very red images. That's not what you want on the face because who wants to walk around with that image? But like having them gently, you know, anything that I can get them to do to do some sort of you know, stimulation to their face so that they're getting more. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so th- just things like that. Okay. And uh, diet type stuff? Or? Okay, so yeah, there are definitely things that I ask them to do diet-wise. If somebody comes in and they their skin is dehydrated and more crepey, 
I want to look at things like, are you drinking a lot of coffee? Now, I drink coffee every day. I don't drink a pot of coffee every day. Someone comes in and tells me they're drinking a pot of coffee every day. I'm like, well, that's contributing to how dry your skin looks. It's a diuretic. So, and I don't expect anyone to get off of a coffee addiction overnight. I don't put those expectations on people because they're unrealistic. But like, okay, instead of having an entire pot of coffee today, how about we do... 10 cups instead of 12 cups and slowly back off mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. Or if they're drinking a lot of soda, um, sugar sags. Sugar is, we talk about this on, you know, in the other podcasts. Yeah. I mean, I'm a sugar addict, but sugar is the root of a lot of mm-hmm. evil. It's mm-hmm. not good. It doesn't, you know, yes, a tiny little bit to sweeten something. I don't tend to drink a lot of soda. So if somebody tells me that they're drinking a lot of soda, I, I try and get them off of mm-hmm. that. Sure. Um, and then there might be other dietary changes that I add in if it's somebody who's going through menopause, maybe some foods that are a little more cooling just to take care of other things that are going on mm-hmm. in their lives. Um, and just making sure that, you know, sometimes I give them herbs depending on what their pattern is. So that's more individualized. It's like, right. see, you, you're in front of me and these are the herbs that I want you on because of other things that are going on, not necessarily because they're getting treated for their face. Okay. So I wanted to go back to the other procedures that you don't do, the facelift, Botox, um, uh, plastic surgery. Is Can a, cosmetic acupuncture help when that goes wrong? Depends on what goes wrong. Mm-hmm. So like we, when I said before about the, let's say you have Botox and it causes the droopy eyelid, I mean, you could try and needle that, but it could make it worse. It could make it migrate more. So I tend to try and wait until after that six months is up. And then if there's still some loss of like the eye blinking, I try and fix it then. If somebody has had plastic surgery and they don't like how it comes out, again, I can't reshape their face. I mean, maybe I could treat them for the emotional aspect of the trauma of it not turning out the way that they wanted it to. Um, but it's not, it's not going to get the results that they were looking for. Um, it can help with some of the bruising, things like that. Uh, if there's nerve damage, then yeah, I think that it can help with some of the pain from the nerve damage and try and heal that quicker. Um, sometimes there's loss of sensitivity to the face after someone has had a facelift or plastic surgery. So some of that can, can heal a lot quicker because nobody wants the loss of sensation afterwards. And when it's interesting that, you know, one of the, when we were talking about side effects before my mentor always tells the story of, um, how she was able to get a patient that, um, had gone, to have plastic surgery. And when the doctor said, do you have all of your affairs in order? They were like, what do you mean? (laughs) So I don't know if people realize like you're undergoing anesthesia. I mean, that's how Joan Rivers, that was a cosmetic procedure that she didn't make it out of. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the things that you have to consider, like what what lengths are you willing to go to? And what do you have to do to get the results that you want? Um, so yeah, it, it just depends. Like I said, I, you know, it's not going to change the way that you look if it doesn't come out how you mm-hmm. want it to look. So you're not putting anybody under? No anesthesia. No. When I do the microneedling, I do put a numbing cream on beforehand. Um, <laughs> and then they, you know, they lay with the Saluma over while it's right. taking effect, but 
I mean, they may get in the zone of like meditating for mm -hmm. that 30 minutes while right. the saluma is on. Right. So they may be putting themselves under into a meditative state, but it's mm -hmm. not an mm -hmm. anesthesia state. Right. Right. And the saluma is a uh, light therapy that yes. uses uh, red, blue light, infrared light yeah. to stimulate through the through the skin right so it has the pain setting i think we mm -hmm. talked about that we sure. both use it for mm -hmm. pain but it also has a setting for fine lines and wrinkles and acne so i'll put that on mm -hmm. you know and some people do it also after the cosmetic acupuncture just again yeah. it depends on how much time they have and what we talk about in terms of their treatment plan yeah. to get them to where they want and that's one of the things too like you when someone comes in i have to see like they may come in and i might be like oh well you know their neck needs that might not be what their chief concern is. Right. They may be like, well, I don't like X, Y, Z. So I always want to know what their expectations are. And what do you love about your skin? Because if they're like, there's nothing I love, I'm going to second guess, like, if you don't love anything about how you look right now, I'm probably not going to make you love how you look in 10 weeks. Right. Like that's, yeah. you know, so I, I don't want to take someone on who I don't think I can make them love themselves even more at the end of it. Yeah. So, so this, with all this working so close to the face, how are you working with COVID situation? So I have amazing vision. <laughs> so I can actually needle from like Across the distance the of like the table and stand up. I don't have to, I'm not leaning over into someone. So I'm keeping my mask on. I have my face shield on and then I keep their mouth covered like, but I unhook the ears ahead of time. So their mouth is covered and then I uncover it right when I get to the part where I'm putting the needles in their mouth, not in their mouth, sorry, around their mouth. <laughs> They're eating the needles for lunch. Um, I put them around their mouth and then same thing, I come back in with, I have the face shield on. Um, and that's as per like the New Jersey esthetician code, you are allowed to remove from the face because some people are getting waxing and those kind of things done, so. Just making sure that my face is covered and and that most of sure. the people who I've always worked on have always been honest with me. Like I tell them up front, if you have a cold while we're going through this, I'm not treating you for the face then. I'm treating you for the cold or I'm treating you for the other thing that comes up. If something else comes up, I want the energy to fight the infection, not right. we're not focusing on your face in that treatment. And mm -hmm. and my patients are good about making sure that they tell me that those things are going on ahead of time. Okay. Are there any um, side effects that we didn't discuss for the um, Botox, so, fillers? I kind of jumped ahead with that. No, that's okay. Um, so surgical procedures, any kind of surgery you could keloid. So mm, right. keloids are those scars where like, okay, they make a tiny incision and now it's four inch, not four, it doesn't have to be four inches wide, but it's like an inch wide and it's, it's a lot wider than yeah. the initial incision. Yeah. So let's say you have cosmetic surgery and you don't know that you're someone who has skin that keloids, that could happen around the incisions that they're mm -hmm. making in mm -hmm. the hairline, yeah. around the face. Um, I had a, I, I've had patients have scarring from, breast augmentation where they keloid and I've actually done the cosmetic te technique to try and break up break some down. of that keloiding yeah. scar. Um, 
if you have surgery and there are internal sutures, those sutures can move. So let's say that happens on, you You know, you have some kind of surgery on your arm. I don't care if something moves from my elbow down to the middle of my arm, but I'm going to care mm-hmm. if it moves from my forehead, like, yeah. or from my hairline into my forehead, and it's popping out of my forehead, and there's nothing they can do. Um, both have possible bruising. There, the only downtime when I do cosmetic acupuncture is that I maybe tell somebody don't go and exercise. Definitely for the first 24 hours after a glycolic peel, you don't go and exercise because you don't want to increase and sweat and do those kind of things. If you're having surgery, you could have weeks of downtime afterwards. Um, Botox, I don't think has downtime, but again, if it migrates somewhere and you're like, like I said, the eye example and your yeah. eye doesn't blink anymore or your mouth doesn't close the right way because you did these lines and now your mouth isn't functioning the right way. Um, in terms of cosmetic surgery, where the younger you start having surgery, the more and more you have to get. And I, you know, again, it goes to the example of, I love Joan Rivers, but her, she kept having to go for all these surgeries when you start younger with cosmetic surgery, it's more preventative. You don't, yes, you do have to get it done more frequently, but not, you're not going to not look like you at the end of, you know, every three years going and getting treatments. You're going to look like you, but a healthier, more youthful version of you with, right. you know, baby butt soft skin. Okay, I can't promise the baby butt soft skin because that might just be my skin. Um <laughs> And again, cosmetic acupuncture isn't paralyzing your face. One of the things that I'm seeing studies with Botox now is that they're noticing that there's a rewiring of the brain. So like, let's say your hand does a movement and there's some connection with the facial muscles being paralyzed that the messages are are not being sent and received the right way. So that is not a side effect of cosmetic acupuncture. Um, yeah, and, and when I was doing research, because I, again, I even with things that I already know, I try and do research on the current things that are happening. Um, Psychology Today said that uh, Botox injections in the forehead and face rearrange the brain's sensory map of the hands. What's concerning is that clients typically come back for regular injections because the limited paralysis the toxin induces lasts only two to three months. The ongoing question is whether repeated treatments over a period of years result in permanent changes to one's brain. That was from Dr. Richard Seidewick. So, I mean, I don't want to rewire my brain. I don't know who wants to have their brain rewired. I want it, you know. Not in that way. No. (laughs) Um, You can still make facial expressions with cosmetic acupuncture. Um, I remember when I first learned it, my mentor saying that there were some soap opera stars that it's, it was in their contract that they couldn't do Botox because they wouldn't be able to, you know, soap opera stars are like over the top. So Mm -hmm. they wouldn't be able to make facial expressions. So that was actually (laughs) in their contract that they couldn't do that. So, and like I said earlier about the loss of muscle tone, you know, are you going to lose muscle tone from repeatedly right. injecting it and the muscles not moving? Now, maybe that's what someone wants, but I feel like eventually, so that's dealing with the lines and wrinkles. It's not firming the right. face. Right. 
is it going to cause the face to lose more elasticity and then droop more right. in five to 10 years where the Botox isn't going to take care of it losing elasticity. It's taking care of the lines and wrinkles. We're really stimulating the tissue to right. function at its level right. when you were younger. Yes. Right. So it's producing more collagen and elastin, and then the mm -hmm. skin is more firm and more more toned. Right. Are there any new, new techniques coming along that you're looking into adding to your repertoire? So in addition to having just recently added the microneedling, I'm looking at a technique called fibroblast skin tightening. So it, again, is another technique that works to tone and tighten sagging skin. Um, and it's done in sections, like you would pick like, okay, I want my neck done or I want the area around my eyes. It's, it's more targeted where when I do the Maisen, I'm doing the whole face. When I do microneedling, I'm doing the whole face. This is targeted areas that might be a chief concern of someone. So I just started doing the research on this to see whether this is something that I might add in that might be another way that I can help people feel and look, you know, the best that they, mm -hmm. that they can. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for me, I, I just, not even just with cosmetic acupuncture, I just always want to, I want to know as much as I can. So I'm sure that even beyond that, if I do the fibroblast skin tightening, there will probably be something else a couple years from now that I'll want to learn. And techniques change. New things develop. There's new lasers. There's new, you know, all that stuff. So yeah. I feel like you constantly have to be reading and staying on top of what the best ways you can, you know, best modalities you can incorporate mm -hmm. to make your patients feel good. That's great. Shall we go to the questions? Yeah. So Daryl is asking about back to bruising. Okay. Uh, can you take arnica internally or rub it on the bruises? So the I put arnica on the face before I put the needles in. And if patients are sensitive, and, and I mean once every, like, like maybe one in every 20 patients will be more sensitive mm -hmm. than someone else, I will give them arnica to take internally. And then they just take it like right before they arrive. If they have a tendency to bruise, if they're on blood thinners, I'm not going to tell them not to take a blood thinner, but I'm going to warn them like if, because like me, I'm on fish oil, I'm on turmeric. That's why I bruise when I do it to myself. I may tell them back off that a little bit. Let's see if we can, or just so that they're aware they may bruise a little bit more. Like again, don't plan on going to some big event. It's the same thing right. when I cup someone on the back. Sure. I always ask them, like, listen, are you going to the beach? Are you going to an event where you have a low back dress? Yep. So absolutely, I put Arnica on. And if I see a bruise pop up when I'm doing it, I will then rub a little bit of Arnica on it. And, I, you know, if there's someone who I suspect that they might bruise a little bit more, I may send them home with the Arnica gel as well. Mm -hmm. So topically and internally. Yeah, I do both. Got you. Okay. So Hillary is asking, once a client's program is finished, what type of maintenance or product do you recommend after or in between the next time they complete the protocol again? So I want them to keep cleansing, toning, and moisturizing. That's like the minimum that I want them to do all the time. If they do the, let's say they started the protocol in January, sometime in July, I want them to do two treatments in one week. And then in another six months, do two treatments in one week. So kind of every six months. But some people like the way it feels that they'll do once a month. 
And like I said, they can continue doing peels in between. We determine that at the time. Not everybody mm -hmm. likes, I love peels because I feel like my skin is so soft afterwards and it's glowy and not everybody likes them. Nice. So some people don't do them at all. I, I usually start the protocol with a peel. So I'll do the peel, they'll wait a week and then I'll do the 10 treatments and then I'll do another peel at the end. But they don't have to do that. That's something that, because I have my skincare license, I added on and made it part oh. of everything. There are plenty of people doing cosmetic acupuncture who don't do peels. Or they'll, you know, you can go to your esthetician. Like if your cosmetic acupuncturist doesn't do peels, they're not an esthetician also. You can see your own esthetician ahead of time and make sure that you're doing those things maintenance-wise. And I feel like every four to six weeks is good to just get a facial just because it's somebody else making sure that they're exfoliating and they, right. they do steam. Facials are just, they feel wonderful and your skin feels so nice and it's so glowy afterwards. And so yeah, every four to six weeks, if they can, I don't do, I mean, I still maintain my esthetician's license. I don't do like, you have to be really, really special to get a facial from me. <laughs> um, mostly I just do the peels. Uh -huh. So yeah, doing the cleansing, toning and moisturizing morning and evening. I want them to do to take that away from what we've done and keep that. And even if you're not someone considering cosmetic acupuncture, I think you should still cleanse, tone and moisturize your skin every day. Right. Okay. So Daryl is asking, what are your thoughts on SPF and chemical components that may be harmful with regular use? Are there ingredients that you tell people to steer clear of if they aren't purchasing Maisen products specifically? I, I mean, I, yeah, I don't get into too much of that. Like the PCA one is recommended by the skincare society. And I think that was the big for me that I if, look to see if it's if it's recommended by the skincare society because I feel like they're looking out for making sure that it doesn't cause problems. I will say if somebody has fertility issues, I might tell them, you know, just not to use the SPF if they're concerned about what would be in it. But yeah, I look to the SPF being, you know, something that the skincare society recommends. Okay. And Hillary is saying a dermatologist once said that the best skincare was SPF and drink lots of water. Yes. Would you add anything to that? Definitely the water. Um, yeah, I feel like every dermatologist is going to tell you to yeah, that and wear a hat. Like if your garden, like I go out in the garden, wear a hat so that your face is covered. I don't want people to be afraid to, to be in the sun at all because I do think you need the sun for vitamin D. Um, but it, the, you don't need to get it from your face. Right. Your arms can be exposed right. and get the vitamin D that way and have your face be covered. Okay. So there's some comments I don't think I can see. Is anybody else? Um, maybe they're Ming's comments. <laughs> Ming is our producer here. So yeah, I think that's it, unless there are more questions that anybody has, unless I missed something. Um, Hillary asked about the seasons and you answered that. Yeah, I think that's it. Okay. So we'll make a quick note that uh, two weeks from now we'll be chatting about stroke and traumatic brain injury. 
Uh, so make sure you submit any questions you want answered during the recording, and we'll get to that. Uh, it's a really big topic and sadly growing. Uh, the numbers that I had in 2018 are now out of date. Okay. Um, stroke is was the number three killer in the United States. Now it's number two, closing in on number one, like within a couple of years, by okay. 2025, it'll be the number one killer. And people uh, are getting strokes younger and younger, okay. into their 40s and 30s even. And then there's the traumatic brain injury part, which is sports injuries, um, all sorts of um, head injuries that we've had. I, right. had a, I had a patient once, she was on the school bus, and they were horsing around, and, and some guy shoved her, and she whacked her head. Hasn't been the same since. Wow. Yeah. You know, really I'm looking forward to it. Really unfortunate. Yeah. Um, um, but there's lots of great stuff that we're doing. Uh, what I do is is comes out of China, but it's different from the stuff that most of us were taught, which is, oh, yeah, you know, you do the scalp points, you do the scalp points. Right. And it's a whole body treatment. It's a much more um, comprehensive treatment. Right. For the whole body. Cool. Yeah. Good stuff. So don't forget to like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, subscribe to the YouTube channel, stay healthy, thank everybody for listening, and we'll see everyone in two weeks. And take care of your skin. Yeah, take care of your skin. And if you have other questions, you can always email us. Awesome. That was great. The contents presented during the Practical Medicine Podcast include information about various modalities that exist to achieve health and wellness and are for informational purposes only. You acknowledge and agree that the following disclaimers and warnings shall apply to all content presented. The podcast contains the opinions of Dr. Robert Balco, D-A-C-L-A-C, and Dr. Stephanie Lipnicki, D-A-C-M-L-A-C, and the guests of their show. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you have regarding any medical condition. The views expressed in the Practical Medicine Podcast are our own and do not represent those of all licensed acupuncture professionals. Always seek the help of your own acupuncturist or medical provider to determine your best course of action. You may want to use the information presented as a supplement to better understand your diagnosis or treatment, but it should not be the sole thing that you use to make important medical decisions. Do not use the content of the podcast in lieu of medical advice. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay seeking care because of something you have heard on this podcast. Privacy is important to us. Thus, all people, places, and scenarios have been changed where applicable to protect privacy and maintain confidentiality.